Hello. <laughs> Trying to match your energy. Well, there you go. Energy match. I think you did. I think that, oh, that cool. was actually, yeah, that was actually a, a less. Was very sub- cat sounding. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> very cat sounding. Maybe we should use, should we start using my real name at some point? Or no? I've I've mentioned it to a couple of people and they said that would be confusing. Oh, uh, it would be. It would be confusing. Okay. What if we just started doing like your cat for the rest of your life? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um anyway. Yes, hi. go ahead. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I hear you got a doozy for me. I do. I have a doozy for us all. Oh. I'm um, excited. And you know, there's a lot of unpleasant details in this one not unpleasant in that it's uh, criminal code but unpleasant in that the the murder itself is quite awful remember i'm like is this bad like in too much law detail (laughs) you're like like, no the other way and i'm like oh good okay (laughs) i don't know why i like that stuff i just do you do yeah uh so i'm just warning you right now it's gruesome and there are a lot of horrible details and if you're not into the real gory stuff you probably don't want to listen to this one because this is the only warning i'm gonna give i'm sorry okay so one trigger warning that's it gory stuff that i like go ahead that you like yes so today we are going to be talking about the murder of tim mclean and this, you may actually know this story. It, it actually is kind of a popular one. And I I knew the story, but I've never looked into it. And I have to say, I am extremely disappointed with how little information there is about the victim and how much information there is about the murderer. Sometimes it's like that, you know? That's why I think I think we both do a good job of when we're looking at cases, we try to find as much as we can about the victim. And Yeah, in this case, it's yeah. like it's shameful how little information oh, there is on too him. Bad. So, I will tell you what I know about Tim. He was born on October 3rd, 1985. He was described as uh, active and athletic and he uh, had a very outgoing personality. So he was adventurous, loved to travel, loved to meet new people. Okay. At the time of his death, he was 22 years old. He had a child. I don't know how old the child was, and I don't know what the situation with the mother was. But given his personality, adventurous, loves travel, loves speaking to new people, he actually was working as a carnival worker. All right. Which seems actually kind of perfect for him. Yeah, fine. Yeah. So um, he had spent most of the summer of 2008 traveling with this carnival. And July 30th, 2008, he was actually going to be coming home. Okay. So he was uh, hopping on a bus. I believe that he was going from British Columbia. uh, And this is in Canada. And he was traveling back home to Winnipeg. Um, July 30th, he boarded his bus around noon that day with about 36 other passengers. So this is a relatively full bus. I know this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Uh. He sat in the back of the bus right in front of the restroom 
and uh, they they made a stop in Brandon, Manitoba, I believe, where a man named Vince Lee boarded the bus and he was going to be taking the rest of this trip with the other Greyhound passengers. Witnesses called Vince imposing. He was over six feet tall. He was wearing sunglasses at six, uh, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. when he got on the bus, which is a little weird. He wears his sunglasses at night. Uh, which but- some people have light UV sensitivity, even when there's no light. <laughs> yeah. That's like me where I am allergic to dairy, but I am not. You're, you're intolerant. I'm intolerant, but I can eat cookies with dairy. Anyways, move on. Um, but he was, he was quiet. He kind of kept himself. At one point the bus stopped so that the passengers could get a little bit of a stretch break. Several people went outside to smoke. Um, and when everyone kind of got back on the bus, Vince decided that his seat at the front of the bus just wasn't cutting it for him anymore. And he decided to go to the back of the bus and he sat next to Tim. It was a very quick, like, hey, anyone sitting here? Tim was like, no, sit down. Vince sits down. Tim goes back to listening to his music. And he kind of assumes the um, body language we all do on long trips, where he leans his head against the window and starts kind of dozing off. Okay, yeah. About five minutes later... As the bus is pulling away from the station, going back on its merry way towards Winnipeg, Tim was violently awoken because Vince Lee was stabbing him in the neck. That's not a good way to wake up. It's not. Especially out of a nap. Yeah. So Vince Lee had immigrated to Canada from China in 2001 with his wife, Anna. He had studied computer science in China, but in China and in Canada, he was really struggling to find regular work in his field. Um, In 2005, Vince became a Canadian citizen, and in 2006, he and Anna got a divorce. Because he was having trouble finding a job in his field, he bounced around between a lot of really menial jobs. He worked for Walmart. He worked for McDonald's, a couple of small food companies. Obviously, to somebody with a computer science degree, this is not the most fulfilling work. And meanwhile, Vince was suffering with undiagnosed schizophrenia. He actually did not even understand that's what he was happening to him. Oh, that's too bad. Um, he heard voices, and usually it was one voice that he believed was actually God talking directly to him. He believed that he was living, um, I saw this at several times, and it's been a while since I've been in Bible study, so I apologize if I don't know what this means. The listeners might. Uh, he said he was, quote unquote, living the third story of the Bible. He believed he was something of a second coming of Jesus and that it was his divine calling to vanquish the earth of the evil aliens residing on it. Seems reasonable. At some point, he was fired from Walmart over some kind of disagreement with one of his coworkers. Not really sure exactly what happened, but after this disagreement, he 
he kind of decided that he could devote more of his time to hunting down the evil aliens. And July 29th, 2008, he hopped on a Greyhound bus uh, leaving from Edmonton, which is where he lived. And he and his ex-wife were still in contact, but not really like... They didn't have any kids, right? Just I don't think so. It was okay. just those two. Um, he leaves his wife a note just basically saying, hey, I'm gone. Uh, the note actually said, quote, I'm gone. Don't look for me. I wish you were happy. Which is it kind of sad sounding. That is kind of sad, yeah. He didn't tell her where he was going. Why he was going was just left this note and bye. His bus left at midnight 30 that night. Um, I say midnight 30 just because it's easier to know what time of day it is. How does and... that help you know what time of day it is? Midnight. Oh, t- God. <laughs> Are you good? Okay. This is coming out a while after this other episode came out so maybe you guys have listened to it we're recording our new year's eve bonus episode tonight after this one and cat has already gotten started and if you listen to our bonus episode you already know what i mean (laughs) if you didn't listen uh don't worry about it can i say midnight 30 is one of my favorite things you've ever said (laughs) i have always called it midnight 30 i'm gonna start using that that is like brilliant (laughs) i love that so much well you're welcome thank you that's the best (laughs) gift of 2022 (laughs) okay keep going (laughs) um so at almost 6 p.m i think it was 5 55 p.m Vince has been traveling for 18 hours at this point. Vince um, apparently decides that enough is enough and he gets <laughs> off the bus. Okay. Even though the bus driver is sitting there like, hey, this is not, hey, not your stop. Dude. He's like, I'm going to make it my stop. And he gets off. Essentially, he got off and there was this whole issue with um, this was not your stop. So now we need to issue you a new ticket to get you to oh. your actual end. Um, oh, I and- bet customers were like other passengers on the bus were so pissed at this point. Like, come on, dude. Well, no, the bus left him there. He was stuck. Oh, he station. did. Oh, I pictured it as like some sort of like then they had to sit there and talk. Everyone about has how, to wait yeah, while uh-huh, the nut job while over here gets his it out. Ticket. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, it was he got off the bus and okay. he, like they couldn't get him back on his original bus, and so they left him there. Okay. Unfortunately, the next bus that was going to be driving that route wasn't going to be coming for like 24 hours. So Vince just kind of had to hang out to wait for this bus. Okay. This is where his behavior. I mean, he was already acting a little strange, like dropping everything and leaving. Obviously, no one else knew about the aliens at this point. Yeah. Um, But overnight, he sat on a bench wide awake and just sat there all night on a bench not talking to anybody nope just sitting there yep did anyone notice him did anyone so i guess people like noticed him sitting there but to them it was like oh he's waiting for a bus no big deal (laughs) the whole night okay yeah i mean well the only other person who would probably be there all night is another fucking weirdo sitting up there awake so true of course he didn't raise any flags okay he started giving away his personal possessions or like throwing them in the trash. I also saw somewhere that he was burning them, That's which weird. 
to me seems weird and probably not right because I'm pretty sure someone would notice a fire at a Greyhound station. But the strangest thing he did, besides the sitting straight up and just sitting up all night, uh, he hand wrote a sign that said laptop for sale $600. Okay. And he sat there with it. And a teenage boy, like a 15-year-old boy, comes up and starts haggling with him. And he's like, can you can you give me a price break on your laptop? Just a little bit less and I'd be willing to buy it. So they haggled down to $60. Oh, gosh. 60 Yes. And the 15-year-old bought his laptop. For $60. What, what a kind steal, of, what right? kind of What kind of laptop was it? Do we know? I have no idea. Just $60 for a laptop? That's what a pretty, steal. That is pretty good. So then at 6.55 p.m. on July 30th, Vince boarded the Greyhound bus that Tim McLean was on. Oh, God. That sucks. He wouldn't have been on that bus had he just not gotten off at that stop. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Ugh, man. Um. So Vince says that this voice in his head told him that Tim was one of these evil aliens that he was meant to kill. And that Tim meant harm to everyone else on the bus and that it was God's will that Vince took care of him. And okay. that is why just a couple of minutes after the bus disembarked that second time, Lee pulled a huge knife, like a giant buck knife, out and just began attacking him. Oh, God. Uh, Tim woke up, obviously, immediately starts screaming in horror and pain. And this scream... um traumatized almost everyone on that bus there are people that to this day hear his screaming in their sleep that is horrible it's awful i cannot imagine witnessing something like this no um so obviously tim starts trying to fight against lee but he had zero chance first of all he was attacked while he was sleeping vince was larger than him he was older than him vince was 44 at the time of this attack um and Obviously, Vince has a huge knife and Tim has nothing. So, unfortunately, uh, Tim just really didn't stand a chance. Uh, given that this was happening on a literal moving bus, there were dozens of captive witnesses. And, like I said, a lot of them say that Tim's screams still haunt them to this day. And I couldn't even imagine being on that bus and hearing that. I know. Um, beyond that, the witnesses said that Lee. Okay, so think about this. If you thought that the person next to you was an even evil alien that you were supposed to save the world from, I think you would be acting with a little bit of like haste, a little bit of uh, a little manic, right? Yeah. Every witness said that Lee was almost robotic in his. He completely just methodical, robotic. Which makes the whole thing even worse. Like if the guy was going nuts. Yeah. I, I feel like seeing someone just mechanically doing this would make it so much worse. Totally. In all, Vince stabbed Tim. I have seen numbers anywhere from 60 times to 100 times. 
Holy moly. Do we know in a matter of how many minutes, like how long this attack lasted? Hours. Oh, gosh. I'll, I'll get to it. Oh, gosh. So once the stabbing started, screams, uh, obviously, it is not just Tim screaming anymore. It is every other passenger that is witnessing this is screaming they're clamoring up to the front. The bus driver, hearing the commotion, pulls the bus over immediately, um, opens the door. People are pouring out of this bus, losing Is anyone their trying minds. to help? Is anyone trying to, like, grab a hold of them? So the man who is seated directly in front of Tim and Vince was... I believe he was ex-Special Forces, so he, he had some know-how to him. He said that when he saw what Vince was doing, he knew he could not help Tim. That sucks. Could you yeah. imagine, like, seeing that and knowing, like, I, like, ugh. Especially when you have the knowledge to know better that he's like, I can't do anything here. Yeah. So... All these people come pouring off the bus. There was actually like a trucker who pulled over because he saw the bus pull over and all these people come out. So uh -huh. this nice man pulls his truck over. I think this is the nicest thing that this guy sees people pouring out of this bus. Something's obviously wrong. And all he thinks is that he needs to pull over and help. I think that is yeah, so nice. That is because granted, nice. this is not the middle of the night. This was like 8 p.m. Yeah. Ugh. So... He pulls over, and at this point, pretty much everyone is off the bus. The bus driver closed the door to try and lock Vince in. Uh, Vince managed to get his knife arm out, and the door closed on his arm, so he's waving the knife oh around. Oh, my goodness. He's able to pull his arm back in. So the truck driver, the bus driver, and... I believe the passenger that was immediately in front of Tim, that special forces guy, they grabbed hammers and um, crowbars and they guarded the door so that Vince could not get out. So oh, they had wow. these weapons that they were ready to use if Vince tried to get out. Good for them. At this point, the bus driver calls 911 and he's telling the RCMP what's going on here. Yeah. Um, RCMP... You know how sometimes we hear 911 calls and they sound frantic and the police show up and they're like, nothing is going on here. Yeah. Um, the RCMP did not know what was going on here. Well, yeah, the guy's in the bus. 911 has been called. They are en route. These three men are trying to prevent Vince from leaving the bus. Uh, the bus driver actually hit... I guess at the back of the bus, there was this um, emergency button he could push that would disable the bus so that someone inside could not drive it. Oh. He was able to hit that button so that Vince couldn't get away. I didn't know they had a button like that. That's pretty I think neat. that's pretty cool. That's I bet, very smart. I bet they figured that out after the movie Speed. Mm. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Yes. It's classic. I like that movie. Sandra I like Bullock. That movie. Yep. I like that Keanu one, Reeves. too. Yeah, they were supposed to fall in love. They, like, they really liked each other, but it just the timing didn't work out. They would have been a great couple. Anyways, move on. Uh, Sandra Bullock was supposed to play Trinity in Matrix, and something didn't work out where she couldn't You're play. You're kidding. Because that Matrix came out right after Speed. Huh. Well, you know, to be honest, I've only seen like five minutes of 
The Matrix. And I just watched the new one. Kyle watched the new one too. I was downstairs while he, because he downloads them. It was so bad. He liked it. That shows you never trust Kyle's opinion on movies. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So Vince can't drive the bus. He can't get away. And so he goes back to Tim's body and he proceeds to cut off Tim's head. In the bus. Yes. Well, everyone's outside of the bus. He then takes the severed head to the front door and waves it around at everyone outside. And then he dropped it by the door and went back to the body again. RCMP shows up sometime in the middle of all of this. The exact timeline is not super, super clear. But meanwhile, Vince is pacing up and down the bus uh hacking away at Tim's body, uh pulling organs out, spreading them throughout the bus. Uh this was literally like he was just like, like he was gutting an it? animal, uh, f- grabbing pieces and, and just, just like, throwing tucking them. Oh god. Yeah. Um Ugh. Passengers noted that Lee was licking blood off of his hands. Um, Many of them swear they saw him eat body parts. The RCMP shows up at 8.30 p.m. This is about 30 minutes after the initial 911 call. They were not prepared for this because picture walking into this scene. You have a bus pulled over on the side of the road, a large, like, semi-truck, I'm assuming. They kept calling him a trucker. So, like, uh, a, a large truck of some sort pulled over on the side of the road. 36 passengers all around this bus, screaming, crying, many of them getting sick. Three men brandishing crowbars and hammers outside of the bus. And inside, you have a man covered in blood. um, And right by the front door of the bus is a human head. They were probably like, what the? Yeah. Uh, By 9 p.m., they had plenty of backup. And they were in a standoff with Lee. They were trying to get him off the bus. He was not paying attention. This whole time, he continued to mutilate Tim's body, continued to spread blood and body parts all over the bus. And this lasted, like I said, for hours by 1.30 a.m. Did they just not know what to do? Like, did they just wait out there, like waiting him out? I don't understand. They're trying to get him to come out because they can't go in. Yeah. They're not going to willingly go into this um, blocked in space with this guy who is very obviously not right. And at this we'll talk, point, just set the bus We'll talk on about fire. it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, you're not the only one who feels this way. At 1.30 a.m., Lee tried to break out a back window of the bus and climb out. He threw out his backpack. He threw out his knife. He climbed out and... Police tasered him multiple times, handcuffed him, and took him into custody. When they searched, they gave him, like, a pat-down. 
Um, they found Tim's nose and his tongue in Vince Lee's pocket. That is gross. Tim's eyes and about a third of his heart were never found. Did he eat them? Yes. I told you it was bad. So we're going to get away from the uh, the crime scene for a minute. Okay. Because remember the teenager who bought Vince Lee's laptop? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the bargain. The bargain hunter. Yes. I remember him. So this boy actually is probably the one who interacted with Vince Lee the most. Because he said that he saw Vince several times while uh-huh. he was there for that like 18 hours or so. Actually, And probably like haggled about the price. And yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So he saw him the first time with like his sign and they haggled. Yeah. The boy went home, told his parents, hey, this guy at the bus station is willing me to, to sell me his laptop. Can you give me the money for it? So he goes back to make the actual purchase. Uh-huh. Takes it home realizes hey i don't have the password to get onto this thing oh because vince lee hadn't wiped it i don't think vince lee was in the right frame of mind at that point to like be like oh did i wipe my laptop clean i mean yeah. obviously he was a little nutty yeah so the boy goes back and he's like hey can you give me the password for this laptop please so vince is like yeah sure here's the password by the way, do you do you want to buy the the laptop bag for thirty five dollars? What? <laughs> and <laughs> the teenager was like, "Um, I don't have any more money, man." He's like, "Oh, okay, you can have it then." What? <laughs> weird, weird stuff. So he gets home. Obviously, his parents are like, "Okay, before you do anything with this laptop, we want to look at it because this seems. Yeah. We just want to make sure there's nothing on there that's going to get you in trouble." Exactly. Mainly looking for porn or other like illicit illegal stuff. You know what? I'm kind of surprised they did that because honestly, if my son was like, hey, there's this guy down at the bus stop that wants to sell me a laptop for $60, I'd be like, why don't I go down there with you? And like, Like, this sounds like kidnapping. Yeah. But they like sent him on his way with 60 bucks and to buy it. Okay. I mean, half con like cautious about it, I guess. Go ahead. Um, so anyway, his parents look around at what's on the laptop and basically like it was nothing. I mean, there were school schedules, there were resumes, there were some emails and there's a bunch of photos of like nature, like landscapes. Okay. So his parents were like, yeah, this seems fine. Here you go. Like use the laptop. The day after he bought the laptop, this is the day of the incident, uh, the boy receives a phone call at work from the RCMP. They say, hey, we heard you bought a laptop. We need to look at it. How did they know? Uh, Vince Lee may have told them. Yeah, that he sold a kid his laptop. Yeah, somehow they knew. Maybe parents wrote a check. Possibly. But then how did they get the boy's phone number? Like that was so this actually leads me into my next point. Okay. The the boy goes home and tells his parents, hey, um, the cops called me at work today asking about the laptop. And I guess his mother immediately was like, this sounds like a scam. Yeah. How how do they know you? How do they know your work? How do you know your work number? Why did they not call us at the house? This sounds fake. Yeah. So she calls the RCMP going like, hey. What What is this? Can you tell me if this is real? And they tell her, yes, 
Uh, unfortunately, the laptop is involved with a crime. We can't give you any details, but we do need to see the information on it. At this point, the murder itself, none of the details, but the murder was being broadcast on news media. And the mother thought that it was actually the victim. Like, she thought that they had the victim's laptop and they needed... Yeah. So, two days later, when the RCMP came to collect the laptop from them, that's when they learned that it was the murderer's laptop, not the victim's. Oh. Which is... And... Even in the aftermath, the the parents and especially the teenage boy, the teenage boy was like, there was nothing weird about him. Like nothing seemed off. That's so odd. Yeah. Really? You would think right before something like that was about to happen, someone would be acting pretty strange. Right. So now going back to Vince Lee. So I think all we all know in the United States, um, if you can't afford a lawyer, usually that they will um, appoint a public defender to you. I'm not sure how this works in Canada, but apparently Vince Lee like refused to hire a lawyer. He must have had some kind of public defender at some point because he had someone argue on his behalf. So an actual a lawyer submitted an argument for him saying like, yes, he committed this horrible act, but he cannot be held accountable because he was suffering from a schizophrenic break. Oh. And the judge agreed. Really? Mm-hmm. So the judge ruled that, you know what, Mr. Lee, you are going to go spend a year at the Selkirk Mental Health Center here in Manitoba. And in a year, we'll revisit this. So... Uh, This was a high security psychiatric facility and they were going to evaluate his mental state. They were going to try to give him some treatment. And like I said, in a year, they would revisit the the factors in the case. A year later. Vince Lee was deemed not criminally responsible for the murder of Tim McLean. That's insane. That's one heck of a psych psychotic break. Doing all of that and then not being held responsible for that. Yeah. Especially when he said he had been hearing voices for a while or one voice actually for a while. That's why they said he was not responsible. Not criminally responsible. No. See, to me, that means, you know, there's something wrong with you. And no, no, because he didn't. He thought this was God. He doesn't see it as a delusion. He sees this as God is talking to me. That's That's how delusional, that's how deep in it he is, is that he doesn't even see something wrong with this. That's so crazy. So he continued to go go through with his psychiatric treatment. Um, There is an interview that a newspaper did with him quite a while later that... I'm not going to go through right now, mostly because I didn't have time to take notes on it because like I read through it twice and I just I could not comprehend the the information in this interview. Um, So maybe listeners can read it. I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Um, Personally, I think that Vince Lee was talking out of his ass. 
Uh, but you guys can share what you think. I don't. He seems to be using his schizophrenia as a heavy crutch. Um, and I don't think he was fully taking responsibility for his actions. I'll send it to you too, so you can read okay, it yeah, when you're yeah. later. But I don't, I don't think he felt bad at all. No. Uh, Vince Lee has since expressed that he understands what he did is wrong. Uh, he's publicly apologized to the McLean family. And um, just like a general apology to the other passengers and how he affected them. Uh, he has never directly apologized to the McLean family. I don't think he's allowed to. Uh-huh. At one point, before he was fully treated, so his his psych team came forward to the judge and was basically saying, you know, he was in the middle of a massive psychotic break when he went through with this. He didn't know what he was doing. He was only aware that he was taking care of this evil being. He thought he was doing the right thing. And apparently Vince Lee vehemently denies cannibalism. He says, I did not eat any a part of that man. I did not consume him. Well, um, I'm sorry, his- sir. Then where are his eyeballs? Yeah. Yeah. And his mom has actually expressed something similar. She said, I, I can't believe I had to bury my son without his eyes. Oh, that's like it's so just sad. it's awful. Yeah. He was reportedly very cooperative. Uh it was he wanted to be treated. And this I believe. Um that he, while he was undergoing his psychiatric treatment, he was improving. He was cooperative with the treatment. He did what he was told, and as a result, he was slowly given more and more freedom. Around 2014, I believe, he was granted escorted day passes out of the facility. So he was allowed to have an escort go and he could go do whatever. I don't know what he would go out and do, but he had permission to leave the facility. Um, Uh He was eventually given unescorted day passes so that he could go out by himself. Okay. He legally changed his name to Will Baker. And in 2016, he was completely released from the facility as a free man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, as such, because he was deemed not criminally responsible, there's no um, nothing like parole. He doesn't have to report to anyone. He doesn't have to uh, check in with anyone. He is literally a free man. Are you serious? Yes. Is he seeing a psychiatrist? Is he on meds? Uh, so I think he's still medicated. I'm pretty sure he's still in treatment. But that's not good enough. That isn't good enough. And if I were him, I don't think I I would be like, I, I wouldn't feel, knowing what I did, I wouldn't even feel safe with, like, especially if I'm insane and don't know it, I'd be like, I did that. There's obviously something wrong with me. I shouldn't be able to, I'd be horrified. So you know? the thing with schizophrenia is that it is very treatable. Uh huh. Yeah. And if you're under, if you're supervised and under the proper medication. Right. So yeah, he got course. to the point where he's, and since 2016, he's been maintaining. He takes his meds. He is functioning. Um, I think I saw that he actually entered a some kind of re-education program for people to get back in the workforce after um, like 
after being in prison or after being in a psych facility for so long, it helps them get back into being a productive member of society. Yeah. Um, Tim's parents have said that they have, like, literally, they have no words for the grave injustice here because no one's held responsible for this that happened to their son. A group of the passengers on the bus sued Greyhound because they said you did not have proper security measures to prevent this man from bringing a giant ass knife on the bus. That's true. To this day, Greyhound has never apologized. You're kidding. No. I'll tell you more about what Greyhound did later because I think this is just a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, So uh, basically the court decided that Vince Lee does not pose a significant threat to public safety. Tim's family and friends completely disagree. Um, All the medical professionals say that in their opinion, Vince understands what he did was wrong. He's very remorseful and he wants to go forward living a godly life he wants to be uh righteous he wants to live a good life and i can i can identify with that uh, i guess a little bit that all of us want to do our best we want to live good lives we want to learn from our mistakes um we all mess up sometimes so what happens if vince has another psychotic break even even if he's medicated you can have breaks What if his medication stops working or he acclimates to it because I know someone that this has happened to? Yeah. What if he stops taking them? What Like, because he's not required to report to anyone. Which I think is insane, especially for for the crime that he was committed. He wasn't committed for it. Or, yeah. The crime that he committed, but. Yeah. Yeah, the mental health laws in Canada, uh, his family actually tried several times to pass new legislation called Tim's Law that was meant to change some of the rules surrounding the not criminally responsible mandates and how they work. And uh, that I know of, it has not been successful. Yeah. Which is really sad. That is sad. Going back to talk about the witnesses from that day, basically all of them suffered from extreme trauma due to the things they saw and heard. There were several passengers seated. I mentioned the one that was directly in front of them. There was actually a couple seated across the aisle from them. And when the attack started, I guess the, I think it was a husband and wife. The husband was seated at the aisle. He got up and he ran down the aisle thinking that his wife was behind him. When he when he basically got off the bus and turned around, he realized she wasn't behind him. She was in such shock that she was frozen in her seat. So this uh, gem of a man went back on the bus. Literally, he's standing right next to Vince Lee, who was stabbing this other man. And he basically had to carry like basically carry her off the bus because she was so terrified and in shock. She could not move. Oh, wow. The witnesses from that day, uh, after RCMP arrived and while they were in this standoff situation, the witnesses were taken to a local RCMP station for questioning Uh and they were put in a hotel for the night. All of their luggage and all of their possessions had to be left on the bus because the bus was an active crime scene. Did they ever get it back? 
I, I'm assuming they must have gotten it back later, but you know, they're traveling. They're not home yet. Like they're all in the middle of a, a very long trip. Yeah. So Greyhound in their infinite goodness paid for them to go to Walmart to buy some clothing. <laughs> Walmart of all places. Yeah. Well. So they were finally delivered. Um, Greyhound got another bus to take them to Winnipeg, their final destination. They got there at 3.30 p.m. And this was uh, 3.30 p.m. the next day after the attacks happened. Um, many of them uh, went towards self-medication, uh, drugs, alcohol. Some people reported having issues with crowds or loud noises. Many of them, like I said, have vivid memories of Tim's screams. Some of them have said that oh, they just, God. 24-7, they feel absolutely numb. Oh, that is, I mean, yeah, the psychological effects after witnessing something like that. I, yeah. I, yeah. And actually, one of the saddest ones to me was the first RCMP officer to board the bus after they got Lee off. Uh, he was so traumatized by what he saw when he got on the bus that six years after the attack, he was still so traumatized. Um, he thought about it all the time. He could not perform his job duties. Um, he ended up completing suicide because of this day on the Greyhound oh, bus. That's so sad. It is so sad. I also, I saw this when I was doing my initial research and I'm really mad that I didn't save the link and I hope I can find it again. Um, so please don't take this as strict fact. This is me paraphrasing something that I remember reading over a week ago. I saw something about a woman who gave birth to a child after this. She wasn't pregnant at the time, but like a couple of years later, she gave birth to a baby. But she was still so heavily traumatized that Canadian's version of CPS ended up taking her baby away. Oh, no. Until they could Stop. determine that she was psychologically well enough to care for her child. Uh, that's awful. It is awful. Why? Going back to, I guess she did something to either self-harm or, um, I'm not exactly sure what, but the CPS had to get involved and they ended up, I think she, she got her baby back, but for a while she'd lost custody of her child. Ugh, that is, that's awful. Uh, looping back around to Tim's son. Um, like I said, I don't know what the situation with the mother was. Tim's mother and father were actually divorced. It sounds like it was not on the best terms because one of the articles I read said that his mother, the child's grandmother, had legal custody of him. And really, really sad. Tim's father got a tattoo of Tim's face on his chest as like a memorial. And Tim's father was not allowed to visit his grandson. Oh, that is awful. Because of some kind of animosity issue with him and his ex-wife. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, this whole story is just so sad. Seriously. Um, Like I said, a bunch of the passengers tried to sue Greyhound for damages because of the 
them not having proper security measures, their case got dropped. There was a second uh, case brought against them, I think, by Tim McLean's family. And that I saw, I don't know that that was resolved either. Really? Um, Greyhound has never issued any kind of apology, any kind of public condolences to the family. Greyhound basically just pretended this didn't happen. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's super shitty. Very shitty. Um, I read the the comment sections on a lot of articles about this case. Everybody is outraged that Vince Lee is basically getting off scot-free here. He he didn't serve any time. He has no criminal record from this. Uh-huh. Um, and they all asked a, a very similar question to what you asked. Why did they not just get him out of the the bus? Yeah. I mean, there were no other live people in the bus. They could have stopped the absolute desecration of this body that Tim... He was dead and to add insult to injury, this man is just absolutely mutilating him. Yeah, going to town. Seriously. So disrespectful to the body. And in this case, I'm not going to say that what the RCMP did is right. I will say that I don't think there was any right choice. I guess, but still. Like, I, they could have tried to incapacitate him somehow, but... In the end, he, I don't know, like Vince had to have provoked them. And at the time he was, he wasn't showing any violence towards the officers outside. So that I don't know that they could justify doing that. I don't know. I don't don't know. I I just feel how, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and we say this a lot, you don't know what you would do, really in that position when you're faced with that. I mean, we, cause you and I, we can sit here and armchair it all we want. Right. But, but we weren't there. Right. Yeah. Right. You weren't there. Right. <laughs> right. Is yeah. that why you're so fucking weird? You is that why you, were you there? Cause I wasn't. No. So that is, that's this week's story. It's just, it's very, very sad. It is sad. I feel I feel so bad for the family because yeah, and I really hope that I really I hope that he's doing well. I hope that he maintains being well. One hundred percent. I I think he should have been held responsible. It's absolute bullshit that he is not criminal criminally responsible. Yeah, one hundred percent. That needs to change. But I mean, we can't do anything from here because we're not. Canadian citizens and we they they're trying it's so sad they called it Tim's law they tried to get it in the legislation a couple of times it's just not working I don't know they need someone with influence on their side I just don't know who that would be 100% so that's what I have for you today well thanks for that fucking downer Crystal I'm sorry that's all right it was about time you uh you you gave it back <laughs> yes there you go and you that's, did so thank you. you you're welcome thank you uh we'll see everybody next week yes for um for me oh that's right me my yeah we'll we'll see everybody yeah next week. next time okay goodbye goodbye see you later Ka.
Chad and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week.